Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Happy New Year. It's 2020, but it's the full 40 with Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. Are we excited? We are excited, even though we're coming off a loss. Yes. There's still a lot to be excited about in Villanova basketball as we enter a new decade. That's right. Yeah. And should we start with a little, not necessarily a recap from last decade, but perhaps... A highlight. Let's go game by game from the 2010s and talk about every single game. I think that's a great plan. Everyone wants to hear a long-form podcast. All right, so January 1st, 2010, we played. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. What's the story? (laughs) When I retire, we'll do that. We'll We'll go game by game. What were your impressions of that game? (laughs) (laughs) What's the story of the, the week was actually not on the court, it was who was the coach of the decade, and the AP, the Associated Press, came out and said Jay Wright was, in their voting, a runaway choice, yeah. 16 out of 24, two-thirds of the vote, to be coach of the decade in college basketball. That's pretty awesome. And it's a pretty awesome accolade to receive. Yeah. A um, couple other coaches got um, votes. Uh, there was Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, probably was the second highest vote getter, I believe. Um, and then there was Mark Few from Gonzaga, and you had um, Calipari, Calipari, and Tony Bennett. And Tony Bennett. I think that was yeah. actually all of the ones who got who got votes. Jay was a runaway, which kind of like which is good because that kind of like quells any debate. Still, there was some debate. There definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do? You agree with it? I do. Yeah. I do. Um, look. He won two national championships right there. That kind of is like the alpha and the omega of the conversation, yeah. so to speak. But in addition to that, he won so many Big East titles, won a ton of games, was the winningest program in college basketball, in major college basketball for several years running. So it was primarily based on a five or six year run within. The 10 years, but that five, six year run was like really fucking good. Yeah, absolutely. And it was funny reading some of the comments on social media. I love when people who didn't agree with the decision started their comments with, well, you know, he really benefited from the fact that he won two national championships towards the end of the decade. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no shit. That's the fucking point. That is literally the whole point. <laughs> like, yes. Thank you for summing it up while trying to defeat the argument, but you made the whole point there. And look, Coach K won two titles as well, and there is absolutely an argument to be made for Coach K to do it. I think Coach K would be the next choice that makes sense for me, then Tony Bennett, I think. Oh, that's interesting. I would go Cal after Coach K, just because Cal has had—he won one title, and then he also had— a ton of elite eights, a lot of final fours in there. His level of consistency, obviously doing it with a lot of different teams, I think makes that really appealing and really interesting. And I almost I almost break it down into like, look, titles aside, there's you know, there's a level of performance, right? 
and you can look at the titles, you can look at regular season, you can look at um, conference titles. Then there's also a little bit in my mind of kind of this narrative of like what broader impact did you have on that college basketball landscape? And I look at Coach K and, um, and Coach Cal and their narrative is really, hey, they were able to really usher in and master the one and done era. Like okay. Coach Cal was like, hey, I'm the pioneer, I'm embracing this. And then Shashevsky said, ah, I see you and I'm going to raise you and kind of one-upped him and really mastered that. Jay took obviously a different approach, right? And we won't go into how, how he recruits because we've talked about that ad nauseum. But for Jay, that narrative in terms of that, that broader college basketball landscape was really bringing in more of that NBA-style offense and embracing the, I want five shooters on the floor. Right. And that paid off, right? He was forced into it. We've talked about it. You know, he's forced into it years ago, but he absolutely embraced the three ball. And that really reshaped how people thought about that within the NCAA, yeah. right? He, you know, he wasn't the first person to think about that by, by any means, right? The NBA was doing it before. But, but that's kind of that macro narrative that I like for Jay as well. It's an interesting point. Um, and one I think is accurate. The other side to it is I do think Jay's championships were so pronounced in the way that they occurred, right? Mm -hmm. Like the 16 team won a buzzer beat, like the greatest shot in NCAA history. Yeah. Right? Like that's such a memorable game and moment in college basketball. Right? So like that immediately sticks out in people's minds is like, what national championships do you remember? Like the 16 championship probably is the most memorable of them all. And then you turn to 18, and a lot of people have said that the 2018 Villanova team was the best team period of the decade, end of story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think I agree with that statement. Obviously, I'm biased. But there was like a handful of teams in that 2015 year, including Duke, who won. I still think the Kentucky team, to your point before, Mm. is actually the better team from that year. Was that the one that won like thirty-eight and one or whatever? Thirty-eight, yeah, thirty-eight and one. The one that didn't win. Actually. The one that yeah, didn't yeah. win the championship because yeah. they lost. They to Wisconsin. were undefeated. They lost to Wisconsin yeah. in the Final Four. Yeah, right. Before, and then Wisconsin lost to Duke. But like, I don't know. Like to me, like those those three teams: Wisconsin, Kentucky, and Duke from twenty fifteen. I'd love to see them matched up versus twenty eighteen Villanova. Yeah, absolutely. And see how that would pan out. Yeah. Jay also like, but but so so with so when I think of what creates the team, the the coach of the decade, you could look at those moments in winning those national championships. Then you look at like five years, six years in a row of either mm-hmm. either winning, mm-hmm. either or winning the Big East tournament and or the. Big East regular season championship. When you add that all together, yeah, he's clearly like he's kind of had the conference success of Tony Bennett, and until this year when Tony Bennett won the national championship, also had postseason success. Yeah, but Jay's had his disappointments too. Like like we recapped the decade, yeah, like a few weeks ago on the podcast, and it was like you know what a wild decade. Yeah, but I think relative to expectations. When you look at like Shashevsky or Roy Williams yeah. or Calipari, and you look at those programs, you're like, well, Jay did 
all of that with coming into the decade and was a lesser program. I was going to say maybe and maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the key actually, right? If I think about, you know, a lot of times if I look back at, at coach of the year necessarily, just each annual award, it doesn't necessarily go to the team that won the national championship, right? It's not like, hey, you won the national title, you get coach of the year. Oftentimes it does. Yeah. But a lot of the times it is relative to those expectations, which I think is a great point. Like and and we talked about this on the last podcast. At the end of 2012 or whenever that was, if you would have said this decade's going to end the way it did, nobody would have believed you. And Jay was able to do that, was able to make, to take Villanova from a, yeah, like, they're, they're a regional powerhouse, they're a, a Big East player, to this is a year-in and year-out national power who was talked about on ESPN and uh, talked about in the same breath as Duke and Kentucky every week like that's really an accomplishment he was able to elevate the program elevate the university and with the way things shook out elevate the entire Big East conference too yeah and that like that legacy is pretty amazing yeah yeah no I, and, and so I, when I, I think about it, like ultimately I get to a point of like I agree I'm, 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 I'm on board I, I think I think when you put all those factors together relative to the expectations where the program was, where the conference was, it's tough to pick somebody else, I think. I think so. I, and I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So congratulations. Us two Villanova fans got to the same point. <laughs> Shockingly. That, we got to the same point that Jay Wright's the best coach of the decade. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, you heard it here second. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's a, so that, so that's a point. I think if Jay's the coach of the decade, I think we're the program of the decade too. I think it all kind of all falls hand in hand. Absolutely. Um, so pat yourself on the back, Villanova yes. fans. You did it. We did it. As Jay always says, best fans in the country. That's right. Still a lie. Still a lie. Hundred percent. I was just at the Pavilion last week, which we'll get to. We are not the best yeah. fans, but yeah. But if you were to take a poll for the twenty twenty decade. We would not be the team of the decade. Oh, yeah. Because we are 0 and 1 yeah. in the 2020s. Not not great today. Yeah. Not great, Bob. Yeah. Not a great look uh, versus Marquette. Um, look, I want to get. I want to talk a little bit high level about Marquette. We also had the win versus Xavier earlier in the week, which is a good win. Definitely a good win. We don't want to yeah. overlook it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to overlook it. But you get your first conference road opportunity. Versus a game Marquette team that looks to be a tournament team. Then again, I feel like I could say every team in the Big East, just insert a name, looks like they could be a tournament team. Big East is going to be fun, man. It's every, it, we're playing nine away games at teams that have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Maybe eight, realistically. But then all of a sudden, Providence is 2-0 in the Big East. <laughs> yeah, right. right. After so the like, dumpster fire they started off with. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, it's like every team, that, every game that you play is like a really challenging game, especially your away games. Yeah. So like so like look, we go into a game opponent that's probably gonna make the NCAA tournament. We're ranked tenth. Do I buy into the ten ranking? No. But at the same but time But do you buy into anybody's ranking? I don't buy into anybody's it's a shit ranking. Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good point too. So by that nature, should Marquette be ranked? Sure. I, I don't even know. Whatever. It's a tough place to play. Like, their fans are out there. It's a game they circled on their schedule. They wanted to win. 
they wanted to win. And what happened was they came out, they punched us right in the throat, and we didn't have a response for 20, 20 plus minutes of the game. Well, and, and part of the reason we didn't have a response was the fact that you had Bay pick up two quick fouls, then come back and promptly pick up his third foul. He was mightily efficient picking up the fouls today, and that was all he was doing. So we got nothing from him in the first half. Second half, he turned it on a little bit more. And Colin also picked up two fouls early. So we're basically, we get punched in the mouth. We lose effectively our two best facilitators on offense. And so once you take those two out of the offense, trying to respond to that punch in the mouth, very difficult to do. Yeah, right. And and we didn't. Like, I love Justin Moore. Big Justin Moore fan, big Jermaine Samuels fan, but if I'm relying on those two to really drive the offense, I'm going to be a little concerned. Yeah. And you saw what happened today. Yeah. It just didn't happen. So, so look, we were defensively, though, to give up, what was it, 46? 46 in the first half was a disaster. That's a disaster. It was, yeah. Defensively, it was not working. Yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely disastrous. And, yeah, we were down 19 I yeah, think, it, the, or 17 after the first half. And you, you just can't put yourself that in that big a hole. You can't. And what was frustrating to me, though, was in the first half and then especially in the second half, we had so many chances to knock this lead down. I kept saying, oh, you know, if we can get the lead down to 15 or so at the end of the first half, I'll feel pretty good about it. And we you know, missed a couple opportunities to do that. The second half was absolutely killer. There was... There was an 11-and-a-half-minute span where Marquette scored two points. From the 1930 mark to about the eight-minute mark in the second half, they went from 49 points to 51 points. And over that span, we only scored 14 points, which is not good. That's putting you on pace for less than 56 points a game. So, yeah, we made up some ground there, but the door was wide open for a comeback. And we couldn't do it. No. No. We couldn't pull it off. I, I think you blame the first half more than the second. It, absolutely. We couldn't make shots today. So, like, the shots aren't falling. Basketball, there's so many different ways to cut and analyze it. But so much of it comes down to just, like, did you hit your shots? It, yeah. And, that was, and, and the answer has been no. Even going back to the Kansas game, no. Yeah. Yeah, this, like, was, a, this was a perfect example of kind of shoot them up, sleep in the streets. We had a number of open looks that... Maybe normally they go down. Today they, today they did not go down. Which tells me that one day a lot of them are going to go in and someone is going to be the unfortunate recipient of that. I really hope so. Yeah, but and I hope it happens frequently. I, I hope so. The one guy I'm really looking forward to turn it on is, and who's been shooting like below average, is Jermaine. Jermaine's yeah. now down to shooting like 28% or something like that from three. And if he gets that average back up to where it should be, even that 35, 36%, we don't even need him at 40%. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. So, look, we gave up 46 points in the second half. We ultimately lose by, I think, 11. Um, in the first half, yeah. Yeah. We ultimately lose by 11 overall for the game. Uh, I credit the guys for being a for being tough-minded, for not just giving up on the game after being, what was it, down effectively 20 yeah. early in the second half and and then coming out and, like, staying with it. Absolutely. And knocking the—I think the game got down to as close as eight 
At some yeah, point we got in time. into like high single digits. Yeah. Oh my God, so many chances to take yeah. it down like further than that. But yeah, it, it never really. Credit, even in the final minutes, like. Credit Marquette and their fans for putting an imposing environment out there, um, and for holding their team in. You know, when when we started to chip away at that lead. And credit to us, though, for making a game of it. Like, it does show gamesmanship. You do look for qualities like that in a blowout. Like, does the team just fucking mail it in and just say, fuck it? No, they kept... They absolutely absolutely kept fighting through the end. Um, My one one positive from the game was we got to see... Oh, and we'll talk a little bit about this later. We got to see a lot more Brian Antoine than we have basically the rest of the season. Didn't look great, but I was excited to see him actually get worked into the rotation and spend some significant minutes on the court, which I can only imagine will help his development and ideally get him more out there in a positive manner for the rest of the East play. Yeah. No, completely agree, and I think that that's a really fair point. Yeah. So, look, I mean, it, it's a loss. It's not a, it's not a great loss. We didn't look good. Jay's going to have a ton of stuff to talk to the team about. Um, am I overly concerned? Does this broadly change my expectations? No, not really. This team's going to be up and down. If we hit some more of the shots that I think we normally hit, yep, we we probably have a better game. And if Bay doesn't pick up three fouls in five minutes of play, you have a different playmaker on the court. And yeah. I, I think what you saw today with, you know, there's plenty of argument to be made about, you know, impact players and, and stuff like that. But when you remove Sadiq Bay and Colin Gillespie, it's just, it makes this team very different. Yeah. And... Not having them on the court absolutely hurt us. Like, limitations aside for either of those players, you want them on the court. Yeah, totally agree. All right, so that's Marquette. I don't want to dive too, too much deeper into that. I think, look, at the end of the day, like, you want to boil it down. Conference game on the road. We're a young team. They have a lot of experience, especially a guy who was, like, a preseason All-Big East Player of the Year candidate. And Marcus Howard, yeah. And Marcus Howard, so... And he performed up to it. Yeah, and he, he's at no 29. So, though it was a little weird the way he got the 29. It was 13 free throws he hit. Yeah, yeah. Like, And we were just getting blown by defensively. It was, yeah, he, he got whatever he wanted on the floor. But at the end of the day, it's just like, okay, all right, you know what? Like, kind of coming into the game, you have a, a game, NCAA tournament caliber team on the road. Like, if you're not up for it and you don't play well, you're going to lose. And we lost. And, and I mean, going back a game before that as well, yeah, like there's nothing to be too concerned about. I kind of figured coming off of the huge Kansas win, and Jay even alluded to this too, that you always wonder how the guys are going to respond coming off of that. And they responded to the first game, the Xavier game, well enough that we got the win there. It wasn't a great win by any means. Colin had a really solid game. He had like 24 or something like that in the Xavier game. And Jermaine chipped in 14 more with 13. So you saw the guys rebound there. And yes, the follow-through on Marquette didn't quite happen, but I'm okay with that. Two good wins prior to the Marquette loss, I can deal with it. Yeah, right. It's going to be a learning A missed opportunity for a good win, for a tournament-level win, but... Also, not necessarily one that you expect to win. The line was against us. It was just it was what it is. Yeah. Um, going back to that Xavier game, that was a game where we just couldn't put them away. It was a weird game. It, it, it really came across weird. Yeah. It was like, you know, we got to one point. I remember I was, I was looking. I was like, okay, we got to a point where we were up like 12. or Yeah, in the three, second half. In yeah. the second half with like 
seven, eight minutes to go, it wasn't like there was that much left in the game. And you're like, okay, we're at the pavilion, 12 points up, like, like time to call this game quick. Yeah, stomp on the throat. And like we're done. we weren't able to do that. We still got the dub, but like weren't able to do that. Yeah. You were at the game, though. I'm interested to hear kind of like a little bit more about how that was. Yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> I will say this: It was a typical pavilion break game. So we had um, one of our one of our friends was able to drop us his tickets at face value. So shout out to our friend Evan who sold us a great value of tickets. We sat in the essentially upper deck behind the student section, had a great view of the court, which is fun. Um, it was our second. It was Nicole and I went down together. It was our second pavilion game. The crowd was basically like a morgue so basically when you get to that point where you're in the second half and hey we are up 12 you expect the crowd to be there and to be supporting the team making some noise and typical Villanova fan fashion there was no excitement there there's no energy DJ 007 was absolutely doing his best to create a little bit of energy I heard he likes his job (laughs) he likes his job he did not announce that as clearly this time around, I think his new catchphrase is, put him up, put him up, when he wants people to put their hands up, yeah. just like nonstop through every song. So he was doing his best there. Um, but yeah, the atmosphere was terrible. And I, I frankly think that does contribute to it. And obviously the youth of the basketball team certainly contributes to it where, you know, if this was 2018, you get up 12, that's game over. Oh, yeah. Like, See ya. that was that was essentially, I remember in 18, that was kind of essential, essentially the... Uh, Golden State Warriors third quarter run they used to do. We're like, oh yeah, we came out, you're dead. Like this game is over. <laughs> and, and, and frankly, this team just just doesn't That's have like that. The Yankees game. bringing out Rivera. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Like yeah, this game is over. Yeah, it, it just didn't happen. Um, but look, the team pushed through. We got a hard fought victory. I've got some other like broad pavilion takeaways that we can get into. Um, couple observations. One, so we sat in the upper deck this time. Which is in contrast to last year when Nicole and I went down, we sat in the lower deck where we had access to all of the food. There's still this like crazy separation where literally if you have upper deck seats, you are not allowed into the lower concourse. It's insane. So you can't even like get good concessions. I can get the concessions upstairs are fine. I got some host cookies. I got some premium alcohol. But if I literally want to go downstairs, I am not allowed. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. I figured, I saw that last year, and I said, I gave Villanova the benefit of the doubt. I said, you know what, guys? They'll get this figured out. Mark Jackson knows what he's doing. He'll get it sorted. He'll get enough feedback. I guess they didn't get enough feedback because you still have the same shit. I felt like a second-class citizen. It was it was That's absolute. a rough look. It's a it's a real, it's just like a dumb look. It's like a, I don't know, you're just, you're just walking into it, Villanova. So anyway... We always have good feedback for Villanova in the athletic department, so that's the feedback from this year. Okay. And obviously obviously looking for the crowd to uh, to make a little bit more noise this year and do a little bit more on a break game. Didn't happen, so it is what it is. But anyway, we had a good time. Picked up the win. The team will, will learn and, uh, and kind of move on, I guess. I don't see why you would restrict access to the lower bowl. Like, is there something down there that, like... So, I mean, there is this section that is... I think it's like the Terry O'Toole like section where it's just like a super premium section where you get free food. So that's fine. But there's also But wait, can everyone in the first lower bowl get No. 
But there's a ticket. So they have that cordoned off. They have it cordoned off. There's like a ticket checker there too. Right. So you could, in theory, allow people down the stairs, mill around, and yes, check tickets to go into the O'Toole section. It's not rocket science. But, like, and they already do that. They already do that. Right. Like, there's no reason to keep people on the Are upper deck. Are the concessions better downstairs? Aside from the Terry O'Toole area. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't remember. I don't know that they're any better, but it's just like you want to be able to explore and walk around the arena. There's no reason not to. Well, yeah. If I go to any stadium, even if I have like a nosebleed seat, yeah. I can go down to the first floor. Absolutely. And get different concessions down there. I remember I contrasted with uh, when we went to Kansas last year, and we basically just we literally walked onto the floor. Literally walked on the floor. On the floor, which was Wild. Yeah. That was maybe. Yeah. I don't. I'm not even asking for that. Just uh, yeah, let me downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. It was Fog Allen Fieldhouse, right? Like the, the, the mecca most... of college basketball. <laughs> right. And we were able to just to walk on the floor. Yes. With like 30 minutes to go before the game. Yeah. Meanwhile, pavilions like, oh yeah, we built this little dinky pavilion, and like, nah, you can't go downstairs, man. Like, what? Yeah. It's it's kind of wild. Right. Oh, one last takeaway on the pavilion. We've clearly embraced turbulence as our. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our pump-up song. Just to turbulence. It's great. Um, I am in full support of that. Oh, yeah. It's fun. We, again, referencing Kansas, it was clearly a lesson learned by DJ007. He obviously had some sit-down time with the uh, Kansas DJ. Right. Picked up some tools of the trade and <laughs> said, you know what, I'm going to do turbulence. As our starting song. When they played Turbulence at Allen Fieldhouse, I think it ruined Turbulence for me forever because it was so freaking wild. It was so good. It was absolutely And it was a break game for them. Yes. Um, But we've embraced Turbulence. I love it. Yeah. We had a blast with it. We should always hit Turbulence. I'm I'm on board for hitting Turbulence. So I was was pretty excited about the Turbulence factor. All right. Yeah. Anyway. That's Pavilion Takeaways. All right. So... Look, we've talked about Jay. We've talked about the two games from the past week. We've talked about some pavilion takeaways. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit. We are a new year. We are a new year. Yeah. So, new year, new decade, new basketball team. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. What are our resolutions? Yeah, I think that's a good question. What What should our resolutions be as we kind of look through the next three months or so of Villanova basketball? Where do we want to get to? And maybe some of these resolutions aren't only for this year. Maybe they're for next season. Oh, interesting. The, the beginning interesting. of next season. Okay, okay. Um, I'll start off with this. Um, my personal resolution, I actually, in all sincerity, I want to make one Shack Fit meal a month for the rest of the season. So you want to eat sweet potatoes, quinoa, salmon. grilled chicken, salmon. or salmon. Yes. And, I like all those things. And some... Type of vegetable. Yeah, 100%. Basically, eat healthy. <laughs> that's, my, that's my resolution. Eat healthy one meal a month. <laughs> it's terrible. All right, guys. The bar you is very talk low. about keeping your expectations low. Yeah. Um, that's Rob. That, that's me. Anyway. Um, but yes, so in terms, of, in terms of team resolutions, I'll start off with a, a J. Wright resolution. So Jay just won Coach of the Decade, as we talked about earlier. My resolution for Jay, I want him to uh, step up his suit game a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're calling it out. We're going to say it because no one else will say yeah, it. Yeah, nobody else is saying Jay it. Jay Wright's suit game is tired. Yeah. 
It's overrated. It's not wired anymore. No. It's not, it's not, no. People still talk about how he looks dapper or whatever. What they're trying to say is Jay's just a well put together, good looking man. Yes. Right? Right? Like, what they're not saying is that his suits are kind of getting old and worn. And look, I get this Taylor, I think it's Gabriel Denunzio or whatever his name is, right? Like, I get this Taylor's old Italian guy, gonna make old Italian type suits. Yeah. Look, it's 2020. Get with the times. Let's get Jay some slim cut. He, he needs right? to step it up a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's... it's. Let's get it going. The, the issue is that the media is comparing him to the average college We're basketball coach. comparing fucking Bob Huggins. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. anybody who wears anything looks good compared Dude, to Bob Huggins. Dude, I wake up in my pajamas, sometimes not in my pajamas, and I look better than Bob Huggins. Yeah. So it, when you compare the two of us, yeah, like, hey, Rob Dormish is a, a well-dressed guy. Yeah, no shit when you compare me to Bob Huggins. So Jay Wright needs to elevate his game and just be a solid dresser all around. Yeah. Bring out some new suits. We want the 2020 Jay Wright to lead us into a new fashion decade. I want Jay Wright and fucking Warby Parker glasses. How about that? Wow. That's a, that's yeah, a just like, let's just fucking go full hipster. Wow. He does wear glasses sometimes, actually. He does. He, he does. does. Jay Wright yeah. wears glasses. Yeah. All right. So, Jay, we're putting you on blast. Yeah. Jay Wright, if you heard, if you don't listen, I mean, sorry, you definitely listen, obviously. He 100% listens to the yeah. podcast. So, Jay, spend some of that cash that Villanova pays you. Yeah. And get some new suits. You can afford it. We know. We know your salary. Yeah. Do we know his salary? Broadly, yeah, we know that he makes like several million dollars. He can probably he can probably afford a couple suits. Hot take. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Go. That's take number one. Spend some money, Jay. Yeah. Time to step up the game. If you want to be known as the suit guy in college basketball, sorry, that's not a you get known as that, and then everything you do from there on is is it? No, you got to stay with times. Can't rest on your laurels. Yeah. No. All right. So that's number one. Um, I have one for me because yeah. you said one for you. Yeah. So as we know, we're in Rob's Brooklyn apartment right now. Yes. Um, we're not at my New Jersey home. We are not. But I am looking to get enough Villanova paraphernalia for my home. Okay. That all the neighbors know that it's fucking Villanova. I want to transform my little area of New Jersey to the main line. As it should be. Now, do you have Rutgers fans around you? Do you know? Um, Do Rutgers fans exist? That's a a great question, actually. Probably not. No. I don't think we do. I've seen Villanova flags in my town. So. So, right. so you're broadly in like a friendly neighborhood, but, yeah. but we need to emphasize it. No, we need, need to, to be very clear. Yeah, we need to make it abundantly clear that Chatham, New Jersey is now Villanova North. All right, I like it. Yeah, I'm in support of this. So we'll get you some flags. We'll get you some, perhaps some, um, almost like campaign signs you can basically put in your uh, in your yard. I don't yeah, know if you're allowed I'm, to put stuff in your I yard. I feel like I should just get like like one of those digital readout signs that lets everyone know the game time and the, <laughs> and the TV yes. network. Like, hey, yes. games tonight, 6.30 on <laughs> FS1. Put it on my front lawn. I like it. Like, neighbors, you're obligated. Yo, you should get a projector. Basically, just project the games on your house. Maybe like on your it. garage. I like yeah. it. I think, I like I think it. this works. All right. That's a good one. All right. Um, other New Year's resolutions kind of going down through the team. Yeah. 
I would like to see Brian Antoine earn mm. more minutes. Mm. So we saw a little bit of that at the Marquette game. Yep. So he's definitely gotten a little bit more. Which may have been a factor of people in foul trouble, but yes. Yes. Could have been a foul trouble thing. Could have been game was kind of a blowout, so it wasn't a high leverage situation type of thing. But he did get more minutes. Yeah. He didn't play well with those minutes, but I think he needs more game reps. Yep. Um, I do not think this is a JQ situation. So, like, let me just, like... Let yeah, me, break it down. Yeah, let's break this down a little bit. Here's... Everything that we hear from the program, right, is that Jay makes you earn the minutes that you get in practice. You either earn it or you don't earn it, right? You either win practice, you take that same mentality in practice all the time, and you're a killer in practice, and you bring that to the game. Yep. Or you are left with limited playing time. Yeah. Right. So that's not all effort, right? Like, I'm not saying anything bad about Brian Antoine. I do think that Javon Quinterly, when we look back on it, I think that he didn't have it in him to become that type of Villanova player. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but if you come here... You die. It's the rules of the, it's the rules of the game. Yeah, I think Antoine's a little bit different. I think Antoine got a situation with his surgery. Yeah, and his and his injury, where I mean, you just look at him and just deduce yeah. that he wasn't able to do any upper body shit. Yeah, for the first part of the year until he was cleared by the doctors. Yeah, the guy is guys. He's pretty thin. Yeah, and then on top of that, right? Like you have a. You have a situation where the season already started, people are getting into game he's flow, playing catch up, he's yeah. playing catch up the entire time. And then on top of that, like I don't know if like if you've ever been hurt or anyone on here's been ever been hurt, um, but like when you're when you get injured and then you've healed, you're still tentative. Yeah. Maybe it's subconscious, etc., but you don't like make that hard cut. Yeah. Right? Like, and his, his is a shoulder. Maybe you You don't, don't dive on the floor as right, much. Yeah. Right. Because you're like, I don't want to have that. I don't want to ever repeat what I have. Absolutely. So totally like a mental block thing, not necessarily like any comment on the character of the player. So what do I think is happening? I think my guess is that Antoine is a little hesitant and a little bit touch and go in practice. Because of the injury and because he's young and because he's had to play catch-up the whole year. Yeah. Litany of reasons why. Good reasons why. And at the same time, Jay has standards and Jay is not going to deviate from those standards. Yeah. So if he's not going to deviate from those standards, right, like I can understand Antoine not earning the minutes and I can understand Jay not playing him yeah. automatically. So what I do say is that when I see him play a little bit more in Marquette, my thought is maybe he's starting to get a little more comfortable and maybe he's got a shot of, like, <laughs> earning more minutes as the season goes on. And we did say on the pod, we did say, like, we were eyeing, like, even though we thought he might see some time earlier, and we advanced that timeline a little bit because he got he worked through his injury well. Um, even though we said all of that, we also were, like, we're still not necessarily expecting a breakout from yeah. Antoine until maybe late January. Yeah, that that is absolutely the timeline we said. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It would be great to see him 
step up both defensively and offensively. I mean, he was he played a good bit today. There were a number of kind of lapses defensively. You could see him kind of working through switches, and he got blown by a couple times. Offensively, it certainly wasn't his best. I think he was 0 for 6 today, and, you know, hopefully he starts to knock down some shots. The good thing was, you know, he didn't seem hesitant to pull the trigger, at least initially. So, yeah, hopefully he earns some more of those minutes. Yeah. Um, another resolution for me, we're not going to go player by player, but one of the guys I... I do just generally want to see be more aggressive, and that's like my resolution for him is just be an absolute killer. Is Jermaine Samuels? Yeah, and then I what I can just tell you we're going with Jermaine yeah. here because Jermaine, man, that guy's got all the talent. We talk about it all the time. We I don't think we need to talk about it because we talk about it so much on the podcast. Yeah, like we we like we've hit this if, point. If Jermaine happens to listen to this or some part of this gets back to him, like we fully believe in you. You are very good. Just go fucking kill people. Like, not literally. Not literally. <laughs> but, yeah, like, on the basketball court. Like, dude, just shoot them up, attack the hoop, just go. <laughs> don't don't literally kill people. Just that go kill people. <laughs> just go. Good God. Oh, man. I'll regret um, this podcast at some point in my life, but yeah. not today. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, we got... We got Tremaine. I, I, I'm with you there. I have a resolution for the fan base, for yeah. a portion of the fan base, okay. because I don't want to blow this into something that's more than it is. Okay. Yeah. But for the portion of the fan base that slanders Colin Gillespie, mm. stop. Mm. It is stupid. You sound dumb yeah. when you slander Gillespie. Gillespie busts his ass, works harder than everybody, as far as I can see. Maybe Bay and JRE aside. Yeah. Okay, he's super competitive. Also, other than Justin Moore, name a player who is going to play the point guard position. Yeah. Name it. We don't fucking grow them on trees. That's not sprouting <laughs> off. It's not like Jay's been like, oh, I didn't think of this the entire time. Yeah. Here's Jalen Brunson again. Yeah. And, and, and I have to say, we, we talked about this a little bit before. I didn't want to like... I'm always skeptical of, like, oh, like, are there people who are, like, hating on, on Colin? And then, like, we had a couple interactions recently with a couple people, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, I wish this and this and this. And, you know, I'll go on Reddit, and people are, like, you know, downplaying all the Like, dude, who else are you going to? Right. Like, I, I think I think what I would even pivot, like, this resolution to be is understand the team dynamics and for the fan base and, like, appreciate and expect the maximum from the players that are on the team. Yes, Colin, we've talked about this. Colin isn't Jalen Brunson, but he's a he's a great D1 point guard. And yeah. as you said, we don't have anybody else on the team. Right. Like, if you want Chris Archidiacono, I guarantee you're not going to be satisfied with uh, that substitution. Right. Like, no. I'm, to, for the record, I'm a big Colin fan. Yeah, like, me too. I'm, I'm all, we're, I literally just we're bought... We're a pro-Colin podcast. I literally just bought um, one of Colin's... The, like, they did like a Nike limited edition jersey for the Michigan one. Just got my Colin one. I'm locked into it for two years. So I'm a big Colin proponent. Yeah. And everybody else who's not, like, you need to understand, like, even if you're not a huge fan, there just aren't other alternatives. No. And also, Colin just does a pretty yeah. good job. Also, by the way, like, he beat the other alternatives. Like, he was way better than Quinn early last yeah. year. And, and if you say otherwise, just stop. Yeah, stop. You sound dumb. Yes. You sound stupid because Quinn early couldn't even crack the fucking floor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just saying. Yeah. yeah. It, that, it he was, couldn't get minutes on the team. We had a we had a conversation. Jay is not sorry. No, I, I hit yeah, this yeah. point a little bit harder. 
Jay won two national championships. He's coach of the fucking decade. Yeah. Okay. Now we can say that affirmatively. <laughs> yeah. Like the AP voted him yeah, coach yeah. of the fucking decade. Yeah. Okay. If you can't earn minutes above Colin Gillespie, you're worse than Colin Gillespie. <laughs> yes. Period. Yeah. End of story. I don't care. I don't want to hear another thing about it. It's over. The debate's over. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, this is not like some situation from like 11 years ago where you had Malcolm Grant who scored like 25 Malcolm points Grant. against LSU and people were like calling for for Jay to play yeah, yeah, yeah. Malcolm Grant. Like, no, there is no basis. You have nothing. You have nothing to hang your hat on. There is no comment. You can say, I want to see more Antoine. Not a point guard. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. Right? Like, your argument is basically boiled down to, I want more to play 40 minutes a game. <laughs> yeah. Right? Beyond that, you don't have a you don't There's have a nothing. recourse. There's, There's no nothing. recourse. Yeah, yeah, totally with you. I think that's a good one. Okay, so that's my resolution for all the other fans, right? Like, I'm not telling you you have to be Colin Gillespie's like you have to beat your chest and be like I'm a big Colin guy. Yeah, right. Like, I'm not telling you you have to love Colin Gillespie. Yeah, right. But like, here's what we have. Just get on board. Right. Stop slandering a guy who literally bleeds on the court like every other game. He basically plays like I know we joke about him looking like Archie Diakono, yeah. but he kind of plays like that level of same that brand of basketball. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. So like enough. Yeah, I think it's a good one. I think that's kind of it. Like I don't have too many other major resolutions for the team. I think the Samuel's one of all of them might be the most important. Yeah, I think one one other quick one I'll add is. Um, I want to see Bay use his physicality more. Yeah, he is—he's uh, a specimen, as we've talked about. And yeah. today, in particular, you know, the few minutes he was on the floor in the first half, and then more the second half, he was had several inches and a lot of muscle over whoever was guarding him. So my resolution for Sadiq Bay is to take advantage of that size and that athleticism that he has. And just be the fucking man. On the I'm board. on board. Yeah. Like, I, I want to see that. So anyway. All right. I think those are our pretty big resolutions. Luke, we could go player by player. We're not going to do that because I don't want to hear myself talk for that long. Yeah. And probably nobody else does either. So, all right. So we got all that. 40 plus minutes into the podcast now. Really quick. Yeah. Upcoming week. We got at Creighton Ooh. again. Ooh. At Creighton is like at Marquette all over again. That's a, that's a it's tough place. A, they're to not play. the same team, but Creighton is the second best by percentage, I yeah. believe, three point shooting team in the country. Was that what you were saying earlier? That's what I was saying. And yeah. they take the seventh most three pointers. Well, in the yeah, it's a good strategy if you're yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah. If you're really good at shooting threes, <laughs> take more. Take more. Right? Like, Shocking. We've learned that. We've learned that in the past. Yeah. The 2018 team was like, hey, we're really good at this and we should do it more. It plays out well. And yeah. we can say to Creighton, do that. We 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 grip. Um, so so look, Creighton's gonna bombs away. They're gonna bombs away. So the players that you need to know, a horrible place to play. It is for an opposing team. Ab- absolutely, like yeah. the people in Nebraska have nothing else to do. Yeah. So what do they do? They go to a fucking Creighton basketball games. They go to Creighton basketball games. Yeah, one hundred percent. So the guys you need to watch out for. Some pretty awesome names, actually. Marcus Zegarowski. Oh, Zegarowski's a good player. Yeah, man. He is, he's their leading scorer, contributes almost 20 points a game, and shoots 39% from three. He's their top guy. Tyshawn Alexander. Yeah. We've had some issues with him in the past, too. Averages he was about a, 17 he was a problem last year. He's a sophomore now? I think that's right. Yeah. Um, 
But like those are their two leading guys, and then you got Mitch Balak, uh, Balak, Balak as well. Yep, Balak. It's another thirteen points a game. So you've got a lot of different contributors there. I'll so tell you, it's, yeah. it's going to be another tough matchup for us. I, we're going to struggle with Creighton, and we're probably going to lose. I'm calling a loss against Creighton. It would not surprise me. Yeah. Like you said, tough environment. Greg McDermott is a great coach. Yeah, they haven't had quite the postseason performance and results that you've wanted, ideally looked for the past couple years. But a lot of that's actually boiled down to a number of key injuries they've had. Yeah. You can point to injuries they've had very late in the season each of the past few years. And uh, Alexander last year got hurt. Alexander last year, and yeah, a couple years ago they had some issues too. So Greg McDermott knows how to get the most out of his players, and it's going to be really difficult for really us. Really tough. Then we get home against Georgetown. Georgetown. So a rivalry game against Georgetown at the end of the week. Yeah. Um, and they were playing so well. It was so interesting, right? Because we talked about them a number of weeks ago when they lost a few guys to transfer, getting and we, kicked and, out of the and program. We, we wrote the obituary on their season, and we looked really bad for a couple weeks because they all of a sudden ripped off a bunch of wins. They did, yeah. They ripped off a bunch of wins, and then they kind of came back to earth where they had a loss to both Seton Hall, I think that was yesterday, and then Providence they lost to to open Big East, which you were kind of like, wait, what? Yeah, all of a sudden Providence is 2-0 in the Big East. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So so now you're, so that, that's what we have coming up this this week. And then in addition to what's coming up this week, just to talk a little bit about the Big East, how is it playing out? Other than the aberration of Providence being 2-0, and and as crazy as it's to say, the aberration of DePaul being 0-2, yeah. which you wouldn't have expected. <laughs> yeah. right? Like a lot of the rest of the Big East is playing out as you kind of expect. Like Butler looks good. Xavier looks solid. Seton Hall looks good, right? Like, like Miles Powell's back, so all of a sudden yeah. Seton Hall's kind of hopes for being like that type of top high echelon team this year kind of come back into the fold. Yeah, still missing one of their top players. Yeah. yeah. So so looking around the Big East, we'll be a little bit I think we'll have a little bit more of a sense in a week or two. Kind of when we're like a third you know, a quarter to a third of the way through the conference season. Yeah. But yeah, Big East is looking kind of as advertised. Like a lot pretty much all tournament or NIT caliber teams and then you're gonna to have to play a double round robin and it's tough. Yeah. And you're saying what you think one on one this week? I'm thinking one on one again this week. Yeah. Um we should beat Georgetown. We should beat Georgetown. We should um and then and then when you look past that we have a couple more games at home. So I do look for us to pick up a few more wins. Um kind of run our win total uh, by the end of January to like 14 or 15 games. Yeah, I, I would certainly hope so. Yeah, I mean, Georgetown should be an absolutely winnable game, especially because we're at home. If it was in D.C., maybe maybe a little bit more challenging, but yeah, we should absolutely pick up a win there. So yeah. I'm with you. I think I think Creighton could very well be a loss, um, and Georgetown should definitely be a win. So one-on-ones, I think, fine. 2 and would be would be nice if we could pick it yeah. up. All right. I, that's all we got. I think so. Yeah. All right. So we're finally into it. Thick of the Big East season. That's right. Playing two games a week. Thank God. Yeah. Um, so happy new year again. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.